I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? I hope that just like that intro song that you are feeling alive right now. My name is Josiah Keneally, and um, thank you so much for listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing. You know that this is the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. And I'm joined by my friend, Robbie Ryder. Robbie, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Excited to reconnect and spend some time together. Me too. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thanks for saying yes to the invitation. And um, here's just a a quick thing is we drop new episodes every Monday morning early. So if you're listening, thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this content, maybe with friends or teams or young leaders. It will help us reach the message of young adults today to more listeners. And Robbie is a worship leader at an amazing church in Ohio, as well as he's the founder and creator, inventor, I guess you could say, of the creative inventory. We're going to talk more about both of those things here in just a second. But I was um, in my car this morning coming back from a meeting and reminded of Galatians 1.10. So it's my verse of the day, and I'm just going to share it with our listener today. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I was just reminded of that, of how easily it is to get just one inch off. We can even do things for God. And our motive could be to please people. So I'm talking to somebody who might be dealing with self-doubt or insecurity. I think this episode is going to be hopefully refreshing to your soul. And um, Robbie, thanks again for joining us. And can you just dive into a little bit of your life journey, maybe story of leadership? And um, would you share that with us today? Yeah, absolutely. Like like you said, um, I'm currently the worship and music director at a church in Cincinnati called Crossroads Church. Um, We're a big multi-site church, and um, we're sort of in that process of rebuilding post-COVID. And... um, I think COVID aged our church 10 plus years Wow! in terms of like our, our processes and, and sort of the, the stand, like where we are in culture and where we are in community. Um, before that, I mean, I've, gosh, I've been in, um, I'm, I'm the son of a musician. And so music has been in my family from like, I have both of my grandmother's guitars Oh I have some of my father's guitars. Wow. So, like, music is just in our family through and through. Um, my siblings are musicians. My kids are musical for the most part. And, um, you know, your, gosh, your verse of the day, the Galatians um, 110, um, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? That right there. Gosh, if I could put a bumper sticker on my first 10 years of work and ministry, gosh, maybe the first two and a half decades of my life, that is the struggle right there. And I would say that for a long time, even after I encountered Jesus as a, a teenager, um, I, was a, I was a young, talented um, man who 
was desperately trying to find affirmation. And so if I had to give you a percentage of how much of my life was I trying to win God's approval or man's, it, I mean, it's 90% man's approval and maybe 10% God's approval because there was never, like I couldn't see God with his thumb going thumbs up or thumbs down, but I could wow. see everybody else when I was on stage, you know? And so there was this deep desire to know that I had value, to know that I was serving a purpose and I was meaningful to those people whose thumbs I could see, you know? And when they were giving me the thumbs up, I felt great. And when I couldn't see their thumbs or they were worse, they were giving me thumbs down. I was, I had no identity at all. I, I had no value. So um, my journey, I'll fast forward through a bunch of it, you know, but has been trying to get to the place where I know God more deeply than I need the approval of man. So good. The approval of the people in the audience. So I, I'm so, what a, what a tremendous daily verse for you to have. Well, and I share that verse, Robbie, because I think this morning I came back from a meeting with an older, wiser mentor in my life, and he just asked some questions that kind of probed my heart, and I pulled over, got in a parking lot, and I was just praying, and that's the verse I was drawn to because wow. I was challenged, I was convicted about just like, hey, today, this morning, where's my motive at? Yeah. And uh, so I, I just pause to do some reflection that's why i shared it so thank you for going off script and oh man absolutely well and i would say what an amazing position you've put yourself in and i i think for me when i think back of like the monumental shifts in my life have come because i was under someone else's authority who could ask probing questions who could push me and say Hey, Robbie, I think that the thing you're dealing with has very little to do with the situation that you find yourself in. It's an, it has, it's not the location. It's an identity issue. You know, wow. like, Oh no, you, you could run away and you could find a new location and be a hero for a little while, but eventually it's going to come back that, that, that ache for, do I have value is going to come back and haunt you in a new location. So it's not a location situation. Deal with it now in this location so that you can use now to to launch into the rest of what you're going to put your hands to so oh my gosh um, Robbie and I mean just going back to yes and amen to what you just said and I know parts of your story that I've heard you share and one of the things because you work at an amazing church very large influential church in Cincinnati Ohio um, crossroads and I was just surprised when I heard you say that there was a point in your journey that you, if I caught it right, you said you'd never work at a church again. I did. I don't, I don't ever want to work at another church again. I mean, and here's why. It, it, so I, I talked about my, my need for approval. Like that was the first, like I, I think I was 24 years old and I was leading worship between five and seven services a weekend. And I think one year I tallied up all the times I led worship and it was I think 347 times. And I was, it, it fed me like, and, and so in all transparency, I was a worship leader who was committing, you know, like there's white collar crime in, you know, business life. I was committing church collar crime and that I was skimming glory for myself. And I was having my identity fed through applause that was for Jesus, but it was feeding me. And so 
um, my passion and my paycheck and my faith were all wrapped up in the same thing. And it was too hard for me to differentiate my motivations. And so I had to step out and it was, it was a, a tough journey because it was a lot of suffering that led me to a place of crisis. Um, my wife and I, um, we, uh, we lost a son and um, it really, it, it fundamentally rocked my world and, and my wife and I's life. Um, it was our second kid and he was born, he was really sick and he didn't, he didn't live past a week. Oh my gosh. And at that point, I, I remember, like, I hope this isn't too, I, I was so angry because I thought, hey, I, I work for the family business, right? This is the family business. And I thought there were perks for working for the family business. And I'm getting more suffering than joy from being in the family business. And so, like, I was two middle fingers towards heaven for a while. Like, you're not who I thought you were. And then I got diagnosed with um, type 1 diabetes in my late 20s. And um, my, uh, I mean, my, my mother passed away, my sister passed away. And all of those things combined caused me to have to reset. And working at a church was just too complicated because it, it, I couldn't make it add up. And so I thought, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I'd rather have a regular job where I could just you know, say this is spiritual and this is not, and I'll work really hard for my money, and I don't have to be, I don't have to deal with my convictions. I wanted something really binary, you know, out of out of life. And um, I got invited. Uh, I was working for a, um, a a Christian music label for a while, and uh, my friend from Crossroads invited me. He said, "Hey, I can't stop thinking about you." And I was like, ah, man, that sounds great, but I'm really not interested in working at a church. But here's the thing. He had a bumper sticker on his car from the church campaign. Um, and I, I remember seeing it uh, while I still lived in the same town with Crossroads. At this point, I was living in Texas. and um, But I was haunted by a bumper sticker on my friend Josh's car that said, safety is not an option. Safety is not an option. And that is how Crossroads functioned and still functions that we're not trying to create a country club we're building an orphanage and there's nothing safe about an orphanage except that it gives families it brings orphans in but it's it's a tough place to be you know so if safety was my ultimate goal gosh it was rocked through suffering and uh and now i've i tell josh every birthday josh i'm thankful you were born because you saved me from becoming numb and safe and living wow. in the middle of, uh, of what is non-confrontational and non-risky. That was a long answer. Oh my gosh, it's speaking to my soul today, Robbie, and I know it will be encouraging for the listener as well, how vulnerable you've already been and the, the journey that you've been on of healing. And I was gonna ask like what changed your mind, but it was this process of an invitation, a bumper sticker, and it was like, a God church was, bumper sticker. Right, a church bumper sticker. But it's like God's thumb was like kind of trying to get your attention a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thankful for the just the gentle persistence, his gentle persistence. You know, I, I wrestled. I thought, honestly, just like for nine months, every day for nine months, I thought about that invitation. Like, do I want an invitation back into – 
a struggle, but it was honest. It was an honest struggle, not like wow. let's pretend everything's okay and it's going to be hard. No, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. Okay, I can sign up for that. So after nine months, this is, I'll tell you the era, he MySpaced me. That's how long ago that oh was. Oh my gosh. He MySpaced me. And I was like, ugh. So yeah, MySpace. So, and now I've been at Crossroads for almost 15 years. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. And I just think of like, I, I can see it in your eyes when you said of like, you thank him each time you have a birthday because it is so easy for our eyes to maybe get fixed on the approval of people like we talked about. Um, it could be fixed on like security or temporary things like a car, a house, um, safety, security, yeah. s certainty, um, or the, the appearance thereof. And yeah. um, that is so good. I, I want to talk to Robbie about like creativity and um, there was a, an event, gosh, I think it was like February or March of 2022 where a mutual friend of ours invited us to kind of this weekend retreat or a few day retreat in Ohio. And it was amazing. It was one of those was. Um, young leader gatherings at this Airbnb that there was a natural waterfall, incredible people, time away with God. And uh, just for me, it was one of those refocus moments. And um, I found out like right the night before the trip, like I'm packing and I get an email like, hey, take this inventory. We're going to talk about it. So I did, didn't think much of it. And then I'm talking to you and I, I didn't, I'm just thinking you're one of the other people at the event. And I was like, yeah, I took this, this thing and um, it is called the creative inventory. I'm going to have you share about it. But after the inventory, you get an email with like a PDF describing your kind of creative wiring that God's made up. And I'll talk about my shape in a few minutes, but can you just talk about your journey designing the creative inventory? What was, what caused you to do it? Yeah, I, I love hearing you describe the creative inventory because it, it I think it's, it's, it's like, oh, fantastic, it's helpful, it's a useful tool. Um, yeah, the creative inventory is, is a simple assessment that helps identify individual's unique creative wiring. And the, the, the sort of inciting incident is that I've, I've been leading creatives for my whole life. And I found there's some creatives that I get along really naturally with. And there's some creatives that I just butt heads with. And the guy with the bumper sticker, Josh, he is my closest friend. Wow. And he and I have had more counseling appointments than I have with my wife in learning how to work together. You know, yeah. like we are fundamentally opposite in many, many ways. And so this, um, I, I was at a, uh, at sort of like a, a panel and I wasn't a part of the panel to be clear. I it was, I was attending and there were five people on the panel and they were all the people you would say quintessential creatives, you know? And someone asked a question up to this panel, like um, what, what inspires you? And they all were like, oh, I wake up in the middle of the night. I just can't stop the creativity. It just pours out of me when I, you know, I just weep, you know, and it was like all the stuff that I would expect creatives to say. And I, somebody said, turned it on me and said, Robbie, do, how about you? You're a, you're an artist. And I said, I don't identify as an artist, to be totally honest. And that was the, that was the moment that I thought I don't fit 
with these artists up here, these creatives. And that was the inciting incident. So it led down this journey of finding out like, what are the things that make us unique? Wow. I mean, and so the, the, I would say the conceit of the creative inventory is that the first thing we see God do in scripture is create. Hmm. And then he creates human. He creates humans in his own image. And so therefore, if we are made in the image of God, we therefore must be creators. And I look at the family of God and I go, okay, if we're all made in the image of God, there are some fundamental differences and let's, let's figure out what they are. Totally. And right off the bat, I want to be clear about something that I thought you approached really um, in a unique vantage point. Like so many people that I meet and I would probably approach it this way where I would say, you know, maybe I'm not a creative. What would you say to that? Like, can you help help maybe the listener who's about to tune yeah. out or check out? Like, yeah. what would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, I'm not a creative? I would say for the topic of this discussion, let's separate art from creativity. Art is a human skill and creativity is the human trait. Creativity is a human trait and art is a skill. That's, that is fundamental to this conversation. So good. It's so helpful. And, um, you know, like, I've taken all the assessments, whether it's Myers-Briggs, Enneagram is really popular, at least in Minnesota yeah. right now. Um, no, here too. And I, I just say like, I read actually Brad Lominick's book called H3 Leadership as he was transitioning out of Catalyst. He describes like an identity crisis and trying to figure out who am I outside of Catalyst. Or for mm -hmm. me, like when I've gone through ministry changes or transitions, like how, who am I outside of a job title or a church or a role or a ministry? And um, so I found value in all of them. But what was especially unique about the creative inventory for me is we're in Ohio. We're on this deck of this beautiful place in Ohio. And uh, I, I just asked you about mine. I found out you had written the creative inventory. And I was the philosopher artisan. We can talk more about that in a second, but I heard you describe my shape. It's kind of like a kite and, and about how God has wired me. And I remember Robbie in your soothing voice, you're like, um, well, Josiah, you have some deep convictions. You have some, maybe a deep sense of why a calling, a burden. And then you like create things to try to like, fix that and i'm like totally i'm like that's me and it was so affirming confirming helpful some of the most helpful feedback about myself that i've ever been given and i've taken all the assessments and in inventory so i don't know would you want to share about the different types of the creative yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay cool yeah real briefly if, if you can imagine some of you are driving or maybe you're on a bus or maybe you're studying. So if you've got a piece of paper, just jot down on a, like a horizontal line and we're going to draw a horizontal line and a vertical line that intersect in the middle. And this will help sort of place these things on a map. And as, as Josiah is talking about the shape that's like a kite, um, the assessment plots your answers across this uh, grid, this XY grid. 
and you you end up finding out sort of where you major and where you minor in some of these things. So the horizontal line focuses on uh, motivation. And so we're saying, we're asking the question, what motivates you to create? On the right side of the line, I would write external need. And on the left side of the line, I would write internal need. And the way that I would just simply articulate those things is an external need is um, you walk into a room and you know that there are 10 people coming for dinner and there are only five chairs. That is, you have an external need. Yep. An internal need is I woke up this morning and I just have this poem in my head that I have to get out. And if I don't get it out, I'm going to explode. I just need to sketch this out. I just need to get these words on paper. I just need to capture that image. Internal need, meaning it's coming from in, in, intrinsically, it's in me and needs to come out. On the vertical line, we're going to look at um, the output. What is the output of the thing that you are making or affecting? Is it at the top, we would write physical. And on the bottom, we would write conceptual. And the difference is physical. It exists in the world like a, a book, a picture, a song, a poem, a chair, a house. And on the bottom, conceptual would be a belief, a creed, something that, that, um, that has a lot of weight, but you can't necessarily grab it, like your convictions, like you mentioned. So we're going to run through five real quick general types, and there, there are subtypes in these. So real quick, we call the maker, which would be the top left, um, creates simply to create, seeking out inspiration in every possible way, and they are creating something physical based on an internal need. A lot of times this is where our, our traditional artists fall. That's a, that's a gross generalization, but they're creating something physical because of their internal need. Flip to the other side, top right quadrant. We call this the artisan space. And this is someone who creates something physical based on an external need. So this is your the chair situation, you know, like this room doesn't have enough seats. I need to fix this with a physical solution. Um, and this is, they focus entirely on crafting excellence, focused on um, creating solutions for real world challenges. Cool, so everything we've totally. talked about is above the line and physical. Now we're gonna drop below the horizontal line to your number one, which was philosopher space, which is the bottom left. An internal motivation to create a concept or a belief. This, this um, quadrant thrives on the underlying why behind every action, every choice, and every undertaking. And so if it's personal, you know, it's for you. Like, I am rooted in these things. If it's client work, you would say, what is the why of our client and how can I anchor us in that? And this is where vision and North Star thinking comes from. Internal motivation to create a concept. Wow. External motivation to create a concept is what we call strategist space. This is the bottom right quadrant. And, and this individual delights in architecting um, frames 
frameworks of, that will stand the test of time, how the work is done, and um, wants to deliver a structure that can solve the external problem on time, on budget, that is reproducible and, and predictable. Now, here's where the, the yeah, so I'll, I'll stop there. Oh, there's, there's one other one. We call this one the polymath. Exactly. That's like in, all in, of them. It's all of them. Yeah, if your score shows up within a few points of each other, um, it means that you you can you sort of operate in all of the quadrants with um, with ease and um, empathy and skill, right? So that's a that's a pretty uncommon one. And I think in our group of thirty that took it, we were looking at maybe two or three were were polymaths. Oh my gosh. And if you're watching on YouTube, or I will maybe put it in the show notes, like a link of what mine looks like here. Yeah. You can kind of see, I'm getting it close enough to the screen, this PDF of what you see there is the creative inventory, my name, and then everything that Robbie was describing, the vertical axis, the horizontal axis. And then you can see like, okay, there's the maker, there's the artisan, philosopher, strategist. If somebody was maybe more like a box, would, would the polymath be more of a box? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so some of the other ones are maybe more like a kite, like you had talked about. Yep. Yep. So you could be, for example, um, there are some folks who have nothing that registers in the maker quadrant, the top left quadrant. Wow. You know, and they, they're like, why? I don't have any need in me to make anything. That's crazy. But they're super heavy on the right hand side, you know, because they're all about solving problems, creating solutions with real world applications. Amazing. Yeah. So it's fun. Amazing. Okay. So here's, I'll take it one step further. Right. So, you know, um, if uh, I grew up around airplanes and music, so those are the things that I grew up around. So my father's a pilot and I learned at an early age, Wow. there are, there are four things that cause flight to work, lift, weight, thrust, and drag. And airplanes operate with an appropriate tension between lift, weight, thrust, and drag. If any of those things are out of proportion, the plane doesn't fly well or at all. And what I've found is high-functioning teams operate in an appropriate tension between artist, artisan, strategist, philosopher, and maker. And when those tensions are perfect, perfectly balanced and leveraged, that team can accomplish anything. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I, I see a value like I described of like personal self-discovery is definitely going to be a benefit of anyone who takes the creative inventory. I think what you're talking about too is we all work with people, whether it's volunteers, whether it's staff, whether it's a board, whether it's maybe an organization that we're leading or forming, norming, storming, like a part of. Um, yeah. Team dynamics are, it's, it's hard to work with people. And it's challenging, but have you seen value in teams that go through this discovery process together? Yes, yes. Oftentimes, um, there are some things. Once people understand the framework, uh, they, it's, it, they can, oh, like, I get it. I've seen that a lot. And the, the key comes from building empathy for others. Wow. To understand that when, for example, I talked about my friend Josh, the bumper sticker. He is a strong, strong maker. 
strong, strong maker, meaning top left, hyper top left. And I am hyper top right, you know, and uh, meaning artisan versus maker. And he would make something beautiful. And I would say, what does it do? And he's like, what do you mean? What does it do? It's about the process, Robbie. I just made it. I'm like, could we make it this shape? And could I, could I make it a different color? Because then I think people might like it and use it. And he's like, how could you change my thing? Why do you hate me so much? You know? <laughs> and, and so now I can empathize and go, oh, before I start trying to, to tailor his thing for a practical use, let me, let me hear about it. What is it speaking to him? What did he make? You know? And then how I even approach it. Like I would roll my eyes a lot of times at his ideas or his product, whatever he would make. And um, that wasn't helpful. It, wow. it was devaluing to him wow. because it was it was coming out of who he was, you know, just as when I would make something trying to solve a need, trying to solve a problem as an artisan. Um, if somebody changed the design parameters at the last minute, it was crushing to me because what I want is for my thing to be useful, not necessarily beautiful, but to be used. And if I could have made it more useful and you just changed it on me, like, ah, oh, come on. So teams that can identify the values that drive those particular quadrants. They can begin to not only um, not defend against them, but to rely on them and to leverage them. It's really, it's a beautiful, beautifully powerful team tool. Oh my gosh. And your type, can you remind me what your type is again? It's, it's very similar to yours. You are a philosopher artisan. Yep. And mine is artisan philosopher. Oh my gosh. So, I approach every situation with a, how do we make this better? Rooted in what is our why? What is our deep belief? Um, so my wife will say, hey, can we eat dinner? And then can you tell me how it could have been better? Maybe while we're cleaning up instead of after the second bite. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, love. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But it's like we all have some natural wirings that like when we're aware of how, like when, okay, I'll just talk about me. When I'm aware of how I come across to my wife, Micah, or students or young adults or coworkers, leaders, volunteers, whatever, when I'm aware of that, I'm also aware of like, oh, they're wired this way and that shapes some of their needs from me as maybe a leader of how right. I can serve them. Yes, a hundred percent. And I would even say, Josiah, there are things that you have an unconscious competence for hmm. because of your wiring that you may assume and that I assume everybody sees. Wow. And, and because I don't articulate it and because you may not articulate it, I think actually you do a really good job of articulating in the little bit of research that I've done, you know, like you wrote a book from your perspective, you know, like that's a gift to be able to see things through your lens. But wow. we often forget that we're seeing a situation or a person or a process through a lens. So becoming aware of the lens allows us to know when to leverage it and when to maybe sit back and take off the lens for a minute so we can see it through somebody else's. Have you ever had this though? Like you see things the way you see it, okay? I see things the way I see it. And oftentimes in leadership, I've been like, doesn't everyone see it? 
doesn't like doesn't and then my failure has been like i've assumed that other people see things the way that i do and i think that that's been a downfall in my leadership but when i become aware of that it helps me realize like okay when i it's my role as a leader to help people see things the way maybe i see them like hey guys let's look at it from this vantage point now tell me about your vantage point what are you seeing that maybe a be a blind spot to me. Yes, what you're saying is, is is a tremendous gift, I think, as a leader, and and it takes, I think, the discipline and humility to mm. say, hey, here's here's my lens, here's how I'm seeing this angle, and let me let me fold my hands and ask you how you see it. And here's I'm going to give you like I think I even said this at our at our retreat. Um, here's the secret weapon: when someone says something. Your first response is, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Because oftentimes, the first layer is just our response to the thing that, that, that you said. You know, I'm just responding. And when you invite me to say more, then you're, you're drawing it out of me. And you might find out more and more wisdom from a different angle, which I think is what you're describing is just tremendously, tremendously valuable. Wow, I love what you said. Tell me more. I'm reminded of opportunities that I can do that in a one-on-one, maybe in a small group setting, team meetings, um, where I can say, hey, tell me more about that. And people are usually willing to share more. And for, for the team, Robbie, or for the individual who's like ready to dive into the creative inventory, I will, by the way, link it into the show notes and on our website and stuff at Young Adults Today. But where can they find the creative inventory? You can go to thecreativeinventory.com. Yep. And um, we are, we've been super slow on social media because this is more of a, a team thing, but we are, we'll be cranking up stuff on social media here shortly. Um, and if you're interested, you can email Robbie at thecreativeinventory.com. So cool. And I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the shortcut for free. So here's the, here is the, if you're wanting to know, um, if especially like if I'm out having drinks with somebody and they're like, tell me about this. I don't actually believe people are different. You know, we're, we're just all the same. Like, okay, cool, cool. And you get a group of people together and you say, okay, you can choose one of these four, four ways to make something. Do you want to make something important? Do you want to make something beautiful? Do you want to make something useful? Or do you want to make something well? Wow. And in a group of four people, there's a really good chance that you'll have three different answers, maybe four different answers. And it's a, it's a great conversation starter among your team, among, shoot, like I, I've played a lot of music in my life and people have come to playing music for fundamentally different reasons. You know, And that's a strange thing because you're all doing the same activity, literally playing music, but fundamentally different reasons why. Wow, that's yeah, so yeah, good. I found a ton of value in the creative inventory and you can find out more at um, the show notes. Um, we'll be sure to link it, thecreativeinventory.com. And I follow the Instagram profile. There's some fun stuff there of the creative inventory. There's a link there to take it. But um, Robbie, like you, if, if I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but what I feel like I remember you saying about the ph- philosopher artisan was that there's a deep why that drives and then there's a 
creating something that's useful to help drive that why. Accurate or fair? 100% accurate. Okay, cool. That, that everything that you will, like, I think other things that I would say about that is that if someone asks you to solve a problem that is incongruent with your conviction, that you will challenge it and you would rather not make it if it's going to contradict your belief, your core belief. Wow. And I mean, I look at my life and things that I would say in terms of outside of my relationship with Jesus, but like a calling, I feel a sense of a burden that drives me to do things like this podcast, or we had a, a weekend in Minnesota for young adults from across the state. And we just saw 28 young adults either give their lives to Christ for the first time or rededicate their life to Christ. Like mm. for me, that is the why, Robbie. Like there is yeah. people who in my generation don't know Jesus and I want them to, f to have the hope or have access to the hope um, in him. And so this separation, I feel called to lean into a generation and like that's a big part of this podcast and the existence of this ministry of young adults today. We want to reach young adults in the next generation in our world today for Jesus so that they can know him, be known by him, to make his name known. And with that, like one of the things that I love to ask every guest, I call it next gen thoughts. Like I just ask people, why do you think young adult ministry is so vital and important? Would you be w willing to, to answer that question? Yeah. Um, I, I think the investment in the next generation young adult ministry is so critical is because it is its foundation right um think of i don't know if you've ever poured concrete but it's a powder at first then you add water and then you get to shape it but you only get a little bit of time to shape it before it becomes solid and then in order to reshape concrete, it has to be broken and broken, and it's a violent process of breaking. And so if that concrete can be shaped into something beautiful and purposeful and useful when it's first wet, then I think it's, it, it sets the foundation for everything that can be built upon it. Oh, and my that's, gosh. That's, that's why I think it's, it's critical that we get this right. I agree. And I've never thought of that word picture of concrete of, hey, at first it's powder, you add water, you mix it, and there is a limited window of opportunity, such a time as this, kind of this Kairos moment where concrete or the faith of the next generation can be molded, shaped, invested into, created, and then it's kind of like it's, it's going to be either locked in or set up to be destroyed or broken later yeah there's a proverb that says he who is reproved yet stiffens his neck will be broken beyond repair and i, I think that there is this i like what what is the breaking process it's it's suffering and, and the lord is so gracious to always use suffering he, there's no suffering that is wasted when it's placed back in his hands but for us to be obedient the first time around there's just so there's just so much there's so much there that is 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 um 
there's so much potential there. So that's, yeah, I'll stop there. I could go on. And oh my gosh. And like, what are you, you seem optimistic about the next generation, millennials, generation Z, my daughters now are so young, they're generation alpha, but like, are you optimistic first off? And then second part of the question is like, what are you maybe dreaming about or hoping for when it comes to the next generation? Yeah. Well, um, my work at Crossroads is specifically in the area of worship, and I oversee that for our for our church. Um, I'm, here's what I'm I'm really excited about right now. Um, in about two and a half weeks, we are launching a um, a week long camp for students in worship ministry. Wow! And so we've got a bunch of kids signed up where we basically we want to while while they're powder and and while we're adding water to the powder just invest the, the appropriate things to shape them, to give them the cheat codes on, I, I don't want anybody to have to go 27 years of life before you know the breaking happens. You know, If we can introduce them to the presence of God early on and help them identify their unique calling, their unique brand of beauty, the way that they uniquely reflect the beauty of God to their generation. I wanna do that now. Um, because it's so much harder once the concrete is set. So th that's that's something I'm super excited about and I am optimistic about. And, and right now it's just an internal thing for our church. We're just doing it with the students of Crossroads. Um, maybe down the road, we'll open it up to more, but we feel a deep conviction to invest in them. Um, that's something I'm super excited about right now. Oh my gosh, I think of how there's a unique moment in time that we are alive and put here on earth and we don't know for how long but to make much of god and to invest in the faith of the next generation what an opportunity and robbie how we like to close the episodes is put five minutes on the clock and allow myself and the listener really to get to know you better and we call it okay. the final thoughts five and five and uh you think you up do you think you're up for that I think I'm up for it. I'm, I'm, I can talk, so I'm going to pull up my, um, I'm setting a clock. I'm literally going to set a clock. You're the first guest ever to set a clock. Look, here it is. You say go, go and then go. I'll. All right. Ready? Ready, set, go. Okay, question one. What would be one piece of advice or insight for a young leader listening today? Hmm. One piece of advice for a listener today, land humility. Ask the Lord to teach you humility. Um, it is the underpinning of tremendous fruit, long-term fruit and success, that you remain teachable and that you remain um, approachable and uh, above reproach in your ministry and in your relationships. Amazing. I'm taking notes on that land, humility, be teachable and humble. And uh, what's something that we would find you doing maybe on a day off or for a hobby for fun right now? Oh, man, I have. I, I skateboard probably three to five times a week. Um, so you might find me at a skate park um, and uh, skating in the bowl, transition skating. I don't do a lot of street skating, but I really love skating. And I, uh, every other Wednesday night, a big, we started accidentally started a group called Dad Skate Squad um, during COVID. 
there were like between 40 and 60 dads that would show up every Wednesday night and skate outside when we couldn't go inside. So you'd find me skateboarding. And I follow you on Instagram. So I've seen some of the video and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm intrigued, but I've never really skateboarded. So it looks um, a little intense for the beginner. <laughs> it is a lot intense for the beginner. I, I uh, Gosh, it's, it's, it's fairly new, like skate park skating is new to me. And I, I actually about a year and a half ago dislocated my elbow and tore my rotator cuff, which sucks when you're my age. And it keeps it skateboarding keeps fear at bay for me. I keep pushing fear out of my life with skateboarding. So good. Fear not. Okay. This question keeps me on my toes. If you could ask me anything today, but one question, what would you ask? Well, I admire you because you wrote a book and I would want to know how long did it take you to write the book and what did your daily routine look like in the process of writing the book? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, with writing, kind of for me where some of it started was a deep sense of why, faith in the next generation, young adults, and that was like a burden. And so I had written some blog posts. I have a blog that I maintain and Micah, my wife, who usually co-hosts but wasn't available today, she um, read a blog post about like, I, I talked about the faith of the next generation with like, why is generation Z missing from the church? And I just gave five reasons. And then fast forward, I did a follow-up post of like what we, the church could do to like engage in the next generation. So I, and like fast forward too to COVID, like she said, you need to be blogging weekly. So I didn't skateboard, but I did run every morning and yeah. then like every week I was cranking out a blog maybe 2,000 words, just these are my thoughts, this is what maybe I'm learning, this is what God's teaching me. And I won, like, a few um, major magazines, like, or online platforms emailed and said, like, hey, can we use them? So for one of them, I just said, sure, you can use whatever you want, but I needed to put them in one document, send it, mm. and I go, this is a book. Wow. So for me, with the most recent book, like, it was, I think, 12, 13 of the kind of the best and then but it was a year-long process some editing some revisions um but it was just like hey one night a week i'm gonna sit down start with a question yeah. put maybe seven maybe three maybe five solutions or answers to that question yeah. but i mean i have on my desktop five other book outlines that no need way. to get done so I mean, that's one of the things that I, I love that I could talk about for a, a lot more than five minutes is writing. That's so good. So good. But back to you and your time on the clock, Robbie. What's your favorite go-to road trip snack? Uh, beef jerky and sugar-free Red Bull. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And yeah, how about this? Bonus question is, because uh, I talked for a long time on my answer, what are you looking forward to in the near future? I'm, I'm going on a trip with my family in about five days. That's that's immediate future. So fun. Um, I love, I mean, our kids are so much fun. They are, they're um, 20, 16, and 13. Oh my gosh. And all of them are 
I mean, when we're together, it's just an instant party. So can't wait to get them together. And um, and we're we're making uh, at Crossroads. We're making an album. I'm also looking forward to that. So we're we're about six months out from recording. So we're in the the songwriting process and trying. Here's here's an interesting thing. My my uh, artisan heart wants to make useful songs for our church. Songs that help us articulate back to God His beauty in our own language. So even the songwriting process for me is is the how do we make a song that someone wants to use? You know, so those are things I'm excited about. I love it. I get excited as well because Crossroads, one of the things I've observed about you, your pastor and your church is it's a little bit, and a little bit is an understatement. It's a different approach to church. Like if somebody were to visit Crossroads, it's not going to be your typical church experience. If somebody tune in online, it's going to be maybe a little bit more for like designed for people who don't like church. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we would say um, it's for people who have given up on church, but not necessarily on God. So needed in Ohio and in our world today. And Robbie, if you could close uh, the conversation today by say you walked into a room and we handed you the microphone and the room was filled with young leaders and uh, maybe some of them were discouraged or battling self-doubt, insecurity, really debilitated by the mental gymnastics of imagining what other people might be saying. What's one piece of encouragement that you can maybe give us to lift our heads today? Uh, it's n whatever you're experiencing today is, is today. And especially if you're in your, and it will, it will change. And so the most important thing that you do is to keep your head up and keep moving forward. Now that sounds like really trite, but I would give you the freedom as, as a person who is like, I am 47 years old. As someone who is 47, I can speak to you in your twenties and in your thirties and say, um, do as many different things as you can in your twenties and into your thirties. Diversify your experience portfolio to know what you like and what you don't like, right? So if somebody comes to me and says, Robbie, you could spend all day in a studio making music by yourself, that sounds like a dream job. No, turns out I hate it because I did it. Not my thing. So diversify your experience and find your superpower, find your superpower, and then use the crap out of it. Use the crap out of it. You have a superpower. You have a lens that you see the world through, and it's unique. Clean it up and use it. Such an encouraging word to keep our head, lift our head today, um, keep going, and to find our superpower and to use it for God's glory and the good of those around us. Can I say that one different way? Can yeah. I, okay. We use this word in, in church, anointing, right? And I would say like superpower and anointing. I, somebody's going to say, Robbie, you're a heretic. But here's what I would say. Your anointing is the thing that you do with natural effort that yields supernatural results. It's the thing you do with natural effort that yields supernatural results. And the sooner you can find that, the sooner I, – I just think it's, it's quick to the fruit. And it may need to be developed. The Lord may want to refine it, 
but you have a natural ability to yield supernatural results and ask the Lord. Actually, can I, can I pray that for people right now? Okay, so wherever you are, um, if you're, um, unless you're driving, um, just take your palms and just put them in your lap face up. And this is, there's nothing magical about this, except it's an outward expression of something we're doing on the inside. And we're just simply going to ask God to help us identify the thing we do that yields supernatural results. Yeah. So God, um, right now, for every person listening at all the different times that they pushed play on this podcast, would you simply see this simple act of, of placing our hands in our laps with our palms open towards heaven as our desire to come to you for you to put in our hands the things that you want us to be about. Would you, um, with our hands open, remove anything that we might be holding on to that we think is important and replace it with the things that you would have for us? God, we want to honor you. We want to bless you. We want to um, make your name known. And we want to make you proud. And so um, we want to represent you well in every sphere that we're going to walk into. It's in the precious name and with the authority of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh, Robbie, such a powerful time and prayer. Thanks for investing in me and in this community of young leaders. Absolutely. So excited. Thanks so much for having me. And if you want to find out more about Robbie Ryder, Crossroads Church, as well as the Creative Inventory, we'll put links in the show notes and at our website at youngadults.today. But until next time, talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm all wired up right now Plug me in I'm getting charged up Right now, yeah